Hey guys, a couple of points of business before we start. First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Les Blake for um, making a pledge of $8 on Patreon in support of How to Be an Artist. Uh, thanks, Les. Appreciate it. Um, if anyone else would like to support uh, this podcast, you can do so by going to um, patreon.com forward slash H2BNA. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that I've been thinking of doing some more exclusive material for patrons, and I thought it'd be really cool to um, basically do an audio essay. So I have uh, some essays that I've written, and I just wanted to record an audio version of the latest essay. The essay is called A Year of Dedicated Practice, and it's basically a report of my last year or so of meditation practice where I've been practicing around an hour of a day and just talking about some of the interesting um, experiences I've had in the process, some of the kind of like weird psychedelia and also crazy things like meditation-induced uh, seizures. If you're interested to kind of hear the bizarre stuff that can happen when you meditate an hour a day, um, you might be interested. Of course, you could always just read it. So I hope it interests you. All right, without further ado, let's get started. How to be an artist. Step 15. I will look you in the eye. With guest, Danny Jones. All right, Danny. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, well, cool. So, uh, the reason, the reason why I wanted to have you on here, I actually like a lot of reasons. I think it's, I mean, just knowing what I know about you, I feel like you're a really good, um, fit for this podcast. I've just had a chance to, to know you for, you know, basically since I, I started getting involved on social media, kind of watching you on social media and I've, I've really come to admire, um, the person you are, the way you express yourself, um, I mean, when I first started getting involved, like on Twitter and and interacting with other artists across the country, you were very much like this this person that was doing all these really interesting things. I remember when you were doing like the Artcast Network, and um, you know, just this, like this very school. vibrant. <laughs> yes, that's that's it's been it's been a while now, but that's always been. Uh, I think that's always typified you, like you're an illustrator, but you're never satisfied just with doing illustration you always have to have some additional project going on you know uh, above yeah. and beyond that so i was i was pretty um surprised when I, I first met you in person at like kids read comics i don't know how many years ago um i was surprised that you were pretty like soft-spoken person you know and i was <laughs> like wow this is not the person i expected <laughs> you know um and i think that's that's really interesting um that it seems like you have this part of your personality that's that's a more of like an introverted personality, which is as common with artists. But there's definitely. definitely this part of you that like demands um, demands to come kind of like overcome that, or demands that you have a voice that's that's like not satisfied with with kind of being an introvert. Does that make sense? Like look at these big these projects you've done. I remember the speech you gave. Uh, was that affirmation where you where you gave the speech? Yes, affirmation. Yeah, yeah. Which is for those that don't know, that's a, a LDS Mormon uh, LGBT advocacy group. Is, is that is that accurate to say that? Um, or how yeah, would you describe they probably, affirmation? They probably wouldn't call themselves an advocacy group. 
as much as uh-huh. more like a support group because they kind of like they don't really have an agenda really it's just like they're supporting everyone that's kind of intersects you know lds and lgbtq so gotcha yeah so um i guess to start i'm kind of interested in what is it that you see in yourself that drives you to i guess speak up even when it may not be within your comfort zone well, like, I, I just, like, think so much. Like, my head is just, like, stirring with so many thoughts and ideas that, you know, I'm either going to keep them to myself until I go crazy or go <laughs> off on some Twitter rant, which is probably not helpful, or I'm just going <laughs> to, I need to find a way to, like, express that. And so a lot of the things that I do are, like, my attempt to try to, like process all these, all these things that go on in my life and all these things that are going through my head. So I think I can relate to that. I mean, it's, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Um, the, the problem that I always have is like, I have all these ideas. Oh man, I should do this. Here's this idea for this comic and blah, 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 blah. I usually find that I just get so overwhelmed, like trying to figure out which thing to focus on, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I don't know if that's something yeah. that you run into at all as you're like sorting through all these different ideas. All the time. <laughs> and <laughs> I've, I've gotten better at it be, because like I knew I was like that. And so I've like, over the years, I've consciously tried to come up with ways to, to just focus and organize whatever I'm doing. And um, it's, you know, it's still a, huge struggle, but I think, I think I'm better at it now. Um, yeah. I just wonder if you, like, if you could go like a little bit more depth into that. Cause it's, this is seriously something that I have like dealt with as long as I can remember. I'm always like, oh, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. And sometimes I feel like I haven't gotten any better at sorting through all that. Like I still have this big list of things that I'm really passionate about. And I'm like, I still like making comics and I still like storytelling, but then there's these other interests I've gained since then. And sometimes I'm like, maybe I want to completely change my career path. And maybe I want to do something totally different that also seems really exciting. So um, I don't know if you have like any specific approaches you use for kind of sorting through that stuff. Yeah. um, I've gotten a lot better at like collecting, I don't know, ideas, things, thoughts. Like I'll literally write it down um, like I, I keep a lot of notes in my notes app or something. Um, and I journal a lot. So I've gotten really good at like collecting all these things that I have and then processing them. Like, so they're not just a bunch of random things floating around, like random tasks that I, oh, I should do that. And then all of a sudden getting distracted and then doing that. It's like, so a lot of it is just collecting the ideas that I have into a note or writing down a comic idea or taking a snapshot of the, of like a thing that inspires an illustration later. And I'll, I'll take those things. I have a, you know, a place for them. And then every morning I sit down and figure out what exactly I want to get done that day. I mean, it it sounds kind of a lot simplified, but, um, (laughs) Is that, so when you sit down in the morning, will you look at your notes and, and kind of be like, is there kind of a feeling out what it feels like 
seems most important or um, is it more a kind of a logical thing you do to try to sort out what, what the priorities are? Yes. So like the, the way I do it every day is I only do maybe like one or two major tasks a day, like, and that's it. And so when you like kind of minimize mm. it to that extent, what you have to do should be really important. <laughs> like it forces sure. you to focus on it. So I, I, f- I found it really helpful for me, helpful to me to be like, you know, my to-do list is very, very short. <laughs> like people like to keep these long to-do lists and then they get depressed when they don't get through them. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, my solution to that is to not have a lot of things on that to-do list. <laughs> and, you know, I get, you know, they say to like get the big rocks done or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I get the one or two things done and then my whole, the whole rest of my day, day can go off the rails, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and the idea of collecting things is when you have the random thoughts, then you can, once you put it down, you can like dismiss them because you don't have to worry about forgetting about it. Or, and then later when you're trying to think of what to do, you can go back through them. Like it takes away kind of all that stress when you write it down like oh I have to remember that or when when you get done with something you're like oh what am I going to do next and it's like well I'll look at what I was thinking about before do you find ever that the the itch is scratched just by like writing something down that you have an idea and you're like I just got to get this down and once you get it down you're kind of like yeah that's but that's all I need to do with that yeah there's yeah I've (laughs) because I have it all you know in a concrete form in front of me you know I can see you know, the junk too, like not just Mm. like the gems in there, but you can see it's like, oh, that's not really important to me anymore or not, not right now. Like that can wait till later. It's like, it's like once you have the pieces, you can, you can sort them, but you know, versus when they're just like floating around everywhere and you didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Do you ever have those ideas where that you look at and you're like, I have no idea what I was, what I'm even talking about here. (laughs) <laughs> some of them some of them the things that I wrote down when I was like half asleep it's like wait what was that again? Yeah. I get see I get a lot of I get a lot of inspiration in that kind of like waking up in the morning type of phase and some of those yeah. ideas are like are brilliant they're just like great ideas you know um I, I mean I don't know how worth how much they're worth but at, there's every once in a while there's some that I just like I cannot make heads or tails. I, I have like this, I keep this list of like story ideas and I was reading through that the other day and there's a couple of, of stories in there that I'm just like, this makes no sense to me. I have no idea why this is even, would even be interesting to anybody, you know? Yes, I definitely have. Those. But clearly it was a very, very intense dream at, at one time. So you basically do, you'll do like a, but is this list, I mean, is, is it kind of just like when you have open time, it's like, okay, work isn't coming in. I'm going to take a look at the list and kind of see just like what sounds appealing and what seems like engaging. Yeah. I mean, I usually have a a bigger goals say for like the year or even just the month. So that might get me started. And I usually have some larger project like that is just running in the background all the time. And right now that's my web comic. That's just something that I'm always thinking about and can always do something for. But other than that, it's like, oh, I've got to create new art. I haven't made new art in a while or like, or I might sit down and reevaluate where exactly I want to be in a few months and 
once you have those goals, you kind of figure out what fits best. Yeah, and then what what whatever I'm excited about, you know, changes, you know, from from day to day, month to month. You know, even if I have these long term goals that, you know, they can shift. And now this the web comic is that uh, the one that there's the minions comic that I was I was uh, wanted to talk about is that part of that ongoing web comic? Yes, it is. And so that's kind of a, do you have a schedule for that? Like, uh, do you do something once a week or, cause I've noticed them, I've noticed them here and there, but I can't say I like follow it like regularly. Um, right. No. But. Um, it, that it's really, really relaxed. So I have like the goal in my head of about once a month. So it's not often mm-hmm. at all. And Oh, okay. But, like I don't stick to it religiously. Like I think it was two months between the Minions comic and the last comic before it. And then in the beginning, it was more like two a month. But once I got it started, I kind of like relaxed a bit and and kind of went to once a month because I didn't want it to be a stressful project. And plus, because of the subject matter, I didn't want to force myself to write out something if I wasn't excited about it or you know like. Like a lot of them are like life stories or lessons, but I didn't want to like force myself because then I, then I'm just coming up with like these life lessons, like like make something yeah. up just so that it sounds good, but it's not really. It becomes kind of contrived, right? So I didn't want I didn't want it to become that because you know that comic is you know important to me, so I didn't want it. Yeah, contrived. That's a good word. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a sense of of it. Being very personal and being like very earnest and like and well thought through, um, and which is it's like this. It's similar to I've wanted to do something like like I think editorial comics can be like really really powerful and interesting and something I've been wanting to do. I've I've done like a, two or three. You know, I I tried to start doing them before and I I haven't been I've been much much less regular than you. Um, <laughs> but they keep getting out of hand because I'll start. I'll start with some idea, and it's like, oh man, I'm, this is too. I'm this is going to be too long. Um, last time and last time I did one, it took me a, about a day. But anyway, go ahead. So it's also like, oh, that's that's a lot of time, you know? Right. Well, I was going to say that one thing that's really helpful for for me too is that I set limits for myself. So each one of those comics that I'm making they're only four pages and I have to say what I want to say in four pages and I four pages I kind of stick to that it's kind of worked so far I kind of a lot of it started like I was saying I have like all these thoughts running through my head and it kind of started as things I would want to like rant on Twitter about (laughs) sure yeah no I I totally know exactly where you're coming from on this (laughs) oh like Twitter I like that Twitter has a character count you know, because you have to hmm. craft what you want to say. Now, now they're getting into threads and stuff, so it's not as much that. But yeah, I kind of, you know, I like those limits. And so, what I was, I think, a lot of how it started was instead of you know immediately writing something on Twitter, I would instead write it in my notes, and that would become the germ for um, a comic later. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a lot of how a lot of those comics start. You know, it, it just occurs to me that that's like, that seems like a really healthy way to, to kind of respond to kind of, kind of impulse to engage in Twitter. Cause I've had this, this thing all the time when you read stuff on Twitter, you kind of like have a reaction. Usually it's kind of like this, like uh, reaction, 
like to, to how dialogue is going, how discourse is going on Twitter. Sometimes you fire off a tweet, you know, but it's, it's really not that well thought out and it's kind of nice to do something like a comic or, I mean, whatever, if you want to write like, like, a an essay or something where you can stop and actually like think carefully about your response, you know, which I think that's kind of like one of the problems with Twitter is it's, it's so reactive, you know, that people are just, are just working at such this um, emotional level, like to a point that people I think aren't even really aware of kind of the emotional aspect that's driving how they interact with social media, you know? Um, So yeah. I like that idea of kind of slowing down and cause a lot of times I'll have some sort of strong feeling and then I'm like, I'm going to sit down and think about it. I'm going to read about it a little bit. And by the end of that process, I have a very different take on things, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes we'll have this, this, this feeling and this reaction, but a lot of the time I won't really have a clear idea of mm. what I'm thinking. I know I'll have this emotional response but I, I don't really understand it fully mm. yet and I can't figure out how to write it down. So I like, you know, the comics are a good way to, to process that. And, you know, the finished product of the comic are, you know, the results of that. And so you have like this concrete you know, product of what your idea was. And it really has helped me kind of form my ideas and have them not just be, you know, kind of wishy-washy emotional opinions and more like, Oh, this is, this is what I think. And this is why. And yeah, it, it's really nice. I mean, I think there's the, the limit that you put on yourself, but also the fact that you have to put in some effort to like really express your idea. Well, like that discipline. Um, I've been right. thinking, I've like been thinking a lot about social media lately and, and I I've been doing less of it. Like I deactivated uh, Facebook I'm still on, on Twitter, but I even notice as I get on Twitter that a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to write this. And then I stop and I, I'm just like questioning a lot. Like, why do I want to say this? Like, why do I want to engage with this platform? Like what's driving me and noticing that there's just this lack of self-awareness I have for myself of like, what's driving that. And I think, I kind of think part of it is like, there's just this natural desire as human beings to like express ourselves and to be like heard and appreciated by other people you know? And I don't know if it's because we now live in this really modern world where like we are all isolated people, you know, even worse with COVID, um, you know, sitting alone in our own homes that we just don't have like the natural outlets for that, that human beings once had. And so then like social media appears and we just have this pent up urge to just like vent all of, all of the frustrations we have, you know? And then Right. Of course, all the stuff going on in social media doesn't make that any better. It usually just like stirs up those emotions more, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. So um, I think it'd be cool to uh, talk about the specifics of, of uh, the Minions comic because it's something, I mean, it's definitely along the lines of something that I've been thinking a lot about uh, lately. Um, you know, I really like this idea that our, our propensity as human beings this is kind of what you point out to, and people should check it out. What's, what's the URL of your web comic so people can check that out. So they don't have to like search too hard to find it. Um, it is, everything is going to be okay. Comic.com. <laughs> it's kind of long, but I think it, you know, <laughs> I still think it, it's kind of easy to remember. I hope no, it's, I, that's an easy one to remember. It's I, I love it too. <laughs> I, I like the whole idea of it. Um, 
that's if all of humanity could remember that, if we could just like all be like, everything's going to be okay. We may, if was if we weren't stop could stop convincing ourselves it was all an emergency. Um, but anyway, I, I just to kind of give people a short idea of it. There's this premise that um, we've been conditioned through stories and whatever to see kind of bad guys as, as just there's these minions. They're just these big massive bad guys that have to be defeated by the good guys, and how that makes for good stories. But when we apply it to real life we can see it becomes this more like destructive thing where we're looking at real human beings as being kind of disposable or, or just as being like evil or stupid. Um, so, uh, I think, I wonder what, what you think about this. I feel like there's, there's these kind of two competing ideas out there right now, uh, especially with dealing with, um, disagreement. Um, and one of them is like, there's the whole like punch a Nazi idea where it's like, if someone believes something you don't like, you know, especially if it's a, a, something really evil, like a Nazi that you need to like mm-hmm. literally be violent with that, with that person. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there is, um, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name is. Uh, Daryl, Daryl Davis. You're familiar with Daryl Davis? I'm not. No. So Daryl Davis is this black R and B musician and he's kind of known for being this guy that he's over the years befriended all of these uh, Ku Klux Klan members. And so over the time, through the course of their friendship, he convinces them to leave the Klan. And so he has this room that's just full of like Klan robes as like trophies of all these people that through his friendship, he's convinced to like leave the Klan. So um, wow. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious, like what is, what is your, where do you land on those two um, extremes as far as like, how do we respond to people that we disagree with, even if we di- like really strongly disagree with? Okay. Um, Just a light, a light question, well, a light for you, for you to answer. <laughs> uh, well, the idea of the, the Minions comic is that, you know, unlike in movies, there's not like this horde of orcs that are stupid and you know nasty looking we can't look at real people that way we can't look at the other side and be like you're just this stupid monster because they're actual human beings and so my kind of point with the comic was was you have to like make an effort to remember that because we are kind of conditioned to like think about you know, heroes and villains in that way. And we, Mm. and you know, when we think of ourselves, we're always going to think of ourselves as the hero. Yeah. So if you're going to have an opinion, um, you know, you have to be able to look, you know, in the face of someone, you know, as a human being who has experiences and feelings and families and, um, just be like, is my, is my opinion worth like your example? Is it worth punching this guy in the face? <laughs> like if I see this person as a human being is, yeah. is my side of the argument worth it? And, it? and like, you really have to, you know, not only see their side, but also evaluate where you're thinking. And I, my, I guess where I fall is, I guess there is circumstances where, where you need extremes, but it's probably a lot less than what we think. Yeah. Like if there's like a true Nazi in front of me, yeah, I would probably punch him. (laughs) 
<laughs> but, um, but like there's a difference between it's like is this but you have to be willing to look at the guy and ask is this guy really and truly a nazi or is there something else going on like yeah i mean i i like and maybe we we have to really reserve judgment until until we i, I mean i just i just believe i've always that's always just been kind of my my ethic has been like violence should always be like the very, very, very last option. If, if ever, you know, like I, right. that's why I've, I've always yeah. like, I've always loved like the example of, of Gandhi or, or Martin Luther King, as far as the extremes they went to, to like prove their point in that regard, you know, just that we, we mess up so many times when we're making that judgment as humans, you know, that, that we really ought to be much more humble about how good we are at judging who's, who's really a danger, you know? Um, right. The other thing I'm kind of interested to know is, is like how you, how do you deal with like, um, I guess with the internet, I feel like this question becomes more difficult. Cause I love that point in the comic where you say like, if I'm going to disagree with you, I'm going to do it looking you in the eye. And I feel like in a mm-hmm. world where we engage so much online, that becomes so much harder. A lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't engage a lot. Well, I don't really engage a lot in terms of fighting with people on the internet. <laughs> That's I, smart. It, it, is, it is really, <laughs> it's just, it is really hard because you don't, um, I think the place where I do engage more would be Facebook. And that's kind of, it, it's not as much in that regard because I do actually know the people. Yeah. There. <laughs> like I, I don't friend a lot of people on Facebook unless I know them. Yeah. And then, uh, and usually it's not to fight. It's it's more like sharing. Um, it's more like sharing my ideas or my story. It's not so much trying to create conflict or anything. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it does. I mean, I've been kind of thinking about this. I kind of just recently set set like a, a guideline for myself, and that's don't get an argument with anyone online that I don't know in real life. Just because it like it, it never goes well because <laughs> I just think about how many times like being on Facebook and you say some I might say some sort of controversial opinion on Facebook and I always try to couch it in a way that's gonna try not to offend people you know but inevitably I've I've I mean being having grown up Mormon um, like my Facebook is very evenly split between very progressive people and like very very conservative people so inevitably I'm gonna have someone show up that's gonna be upset. And they're going to make a comment and then somehow some friend of theirs is going to see the discussion and they're going to chime in. And there's going to be some dude that I don't know at all that's just going to be saying <laughs> inflammatory stuff on this comment thread. And I just have to say like, I'm, I just can't, I, it's not, it's not worth my time to engage with someone that, that I just don't know at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> you haven't had to set up a specific rule for yourself, but you just kind of avoid that anyway yeah well i i guess the only time i've ever i don't know if i've ever really debated or anything online ex, except maybe if i if i did maybe in a private message not like mm. in a comment thread yeah and even yeah. then very rarely that's a better place to do that too because 
I feel like you're less vulnerable if you're doing something over via private message. It's like, you can just be like two people yeah. Well, yeah. exchanging ideas, you know, and not ran- randos coming in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel like you're one of those dreams where you're in school in your underwear, you know, where it's like, there's this audience watching you like have this discussion. Right. But I, I think I've been fortunate in that I haven't really, if there's people that disagree with me, I haven't had a lot of them commenting. <laughs> so, I, I, like, I kind of like sit there and, and, and wait to see if someone will, but no one really does. But maybe what yeah. I say isn't very controversial in the first place. <laughs> Sometimes that's a bigger bummer than getting a lot of angry comments is like you post some like really great like comment <laughs> that's really well thought out and maybe kind of controversial, but you hope to change minds and just, no one, no one responds to it. <laughs> You're like, oh, my mom liked it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think you're in a in a really interesting place too because um, you know you're you're openly gay, which I mean isn't too of a usual of a thing nowadays. But also you are openly LDS, which I think is a really interesting combination. You know. Um, and so I can see that it clearly probably opens opportunities for disagreement on, on both sides of that equation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'd be curious, what, what do you get more grief for the, 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 the being gay thing or the, the being LDS thing? (laughs) Well, that's just the thing. I don't know. No one's really expressed grief to me personally. Yeah. If I were to Mm -hmm. like, if I were to sum up what like the general feeling is, I think being Mormon gets more grief. Yeah. I, yeah. That, maybe. I don't that know. makes sense to me. <laughs> 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 well, I think, and that's one of the reasons why I like, I, I admire you because you have the courage to do that, you know, and clearly it, oh. I, I mean, I, I don't know what your reward is like, but it clearly puts you in a place where, I mean, you're, you're active LDS, right? Yep. Yeah. And so it puts you in a place where like you are being who you are at, you know, in the Mormon church and not apologizing for that. And, you know, um, that seems, that seems pretty cool. That seems, that seems like I, I have to admit that I feel, um, you know, I decided to leave the church just cause it eventually wasn't the right fit for me, but I admire people who are willing to say like, I'm going to, I'm going to be who I am regardless of, of what other people think. And I think that's how minds are changed. And I think that's always already happening in the church. I think the way that the LGBT community is thought of in the church is, has really radically shifted over the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, but very, very, very quickly over the last 10 years for sure. Yeah. Um, it's still really slow. (laughs) (laughs) You'd you'd know that better than me, I guess. (laughs) No, I would say there is a lot of uh, a lot of change, but it yeah. But when you're sitting in it, it's just really slow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just gonna say it's it's just a very organic thing for me right now. It's just like uh, being LDS. I don't know if this will make sense, but the, the way I'm able to stay is because I know that at any time I could leave <laughs> and I'd be okay. Like huh. it doesn't feel forced to stay i guess so it makes it easier to stay and i don't know if that 
makes any sense at all. But yeah, that a little bit. Um, I feel like I want to explore that. Like I know it's my choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I went through a period where I don't think this is necessarily, this is different. I think what I'm describing is different, but, um, I went through a period where I kind of felt like, oh, I'm staying here because I want to. And then when I decided to leave, I like realized I suddenly saw all this stuff underneath my reason, like that was about doing it for other people. You know, once I saw like having to face family and things like that and, you know, disappointing family, I was like, oh, wow, I was really there. A large part of me was staying just because I didn't want to deal with this, you know, um, but the idea that like knowing you could leave makes you more comfortable about staying like that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, I wonder if you couldn't like yeah, expand, yeah. expand on that a little bit. Um, like what is it in particular, like for you spiritually, what is, what is, what is it that it, it gives you? Well, did you happen to see my, my other comic <laughs> with the house? I probably did, but why don't, why don't you remind me? Do an audio comic. Do an okay, audio so version of it. Kinda, <laughs> so I kind of compare the church as to like a home, like a house. Mm. And it's kind of like um, I, when, you know, I get older, I, I realize it has all these, these cracks in it. And it's really weathered down and it's not really sheltering me well anymore but um, and then people will say like well why don't you move to another house and i'm just like because it's my home yeah <laughs> so that's so i get a lot of you know because it's the tradition i grew up with mm-hmm. so i still get that from it but beyond that like if that was the only thing i i'd probably be gone because you know that's not really enough i don't think mm. I, I think there's there's more to it. I get value out of um, going to church and re- interacting with people, and you know, asking questions and learning about God and serving other people. And I get, I still get value from all of that kind of my spirituality has kind of evolved to be less about um, the church, like the institution itself. And it's kind of more about like, I believe my presence there enriches everyone else's lives. And I believe that their lives enrich mine. So that's kind of why I still engage with it. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's interesting. You know, um, that analogy of the house, I haven't seen the comic yet, but I've actually used that exact same analogy with my daughter. I had a conversation with her where Mm. she was asking like, oh, why don't we like go to church? And I said like, well, it's like a house, you know? And it's like, you want to live in a house, but if the house, if it's on fire or if it's dangerous, you can't live in that. You got to leave the house. So mine was a little bit more on the other side of like, it's not safe to be in the house anymore. We got to get out of the house. But I did make the point to her that like, I do wish that we had a house, you know, like I, I kind of feel like there's something within human beings that, that really desires something like religion. Um, and I think that's a combination mm-hmm. of, of a lot of things you describe of like wanting to be a part of a community where you feel like you're making other people's lives better, where they're making your lives better. I think it's like about having a sense of meaning of the world of like a way to understand the world, you know, 
but like it's something where I I see I see that missing in my life. I I feel a lot of times like I'm I'm camping out in open air because I don't I don't have a house. So um, well, like the 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 another part of the comic was that you know what you were saying is like yeah if the house can't can't do it anymore if it's like so damaged like yeah I would go find another house because my my home is not you know, dependent on a building. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the point of the comic too. But like. You are, your, your, your identity is not like dependent on, on being completely on being Mormon or LDS. Like there's a part of it that, that could function outside of that. You know, is that, that kind of the idea. Right. What, one thing that I think is, is, is I've thought about a lot lately too, is that like when we say something, when we're talking about any religion, and actually, I kind of had this insight when I was having a conversation with with uh, Jersey about um, Catholicism, and I need to have him back on to to have a, a chat about this because this was off air when we we're having this 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 talk. But when when someone says like Mormon, um, I, you can be referring to lots of different things. Obviously, you can be referring to the LDS Church. You can also be referring to like a heritage. Like um, for me, that's that's really I feel like that's what being. I feel I still relate strongly to that. Like having a heritage of being Mormon is still important to me. Um, but there's also kind of this way of life, you know, and it's like people going to church, serving each other. And those things are like kind of independent. And so I think sometimes people that are criticizing, they're, they're saying like, Hey, how like this, I see issues with the LDS church, you know, they're pointing out issues with the LDS church and what they aren't seeing. They aren't seeing like, the lifestyle and like the, the positive things that it brings to people's life participating. Um, you know, and I, I don't just mean just lifestyle is kind of vague. I mean, more specifically, I think even like the rituals of, of the church, whatever whether it's the sacrament or, you know, going to Sunday school or going to church or, or whatever, uh, visiting teaching, what they call like ministering now. Um, that those mm-hmm. things you can separate that from the institution of the LDS church and say like, Oh, there's like positives there. There's positives in the culture. There's positives in like, in people's like morals and how they live their lives, you know? Yeah. I think we're kind of like a lot of society has lost perspective of that. Everything is going to be a combination of good and bad. Mm. And we, we kind of want to separate things out into good or bad. You know, when I when I was coming out, I, I I did at first think of it as like a decision between staying or leaving mm. the church, mm. but then just eventually, like, um, I think the question just occurred to me is like, well, why don't you just keep going to church? <laughs> <laughs> like, no one's no one's gonna gonna stop you after you come out. <laughs> so it's like. Oh, it's like maybe I don't have to get rid of all the good, all the good things I got out of it just because just because everyone else was telling me to. Yeah. But do you do you still find that you have like how often are those moments in like Sunday school where you just have to like eye roll when people start going off on something? Uh, it's off and on, I guess. Yeah. Like if it was like you know, all the time that'd be obnoxious, but I, th- I think I've, I think I'm, it's not too bad, at least where I am right now. Yeah. In my ward. Yeah. Where do you, what, um, what is it? What are the, what are the things that, that challenge you? 
Like what are the, what are the, the things that emerge that make you say like, uh, this is one of the areas where there's kind of a crack, crack in the, in the roof. Like specific issues or. Yeah. Or it could, they could what, be like moments, mean? events, like what type of things can happen that, that give you pause. Mormons are very good at self-congratulating themselves and that can get on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> like look at all the stuff that we're doing so right and yeah. look if you do this and you follow this path <laughs> it's gonna go so right for you yeah but then i'm like well no <laughs> i like well for one i can't follow that path that you're yeah that you're lining up there and if i did i'd be very unhappy <laughs> so how, how can that how can you know the people who are saying that are always the ones that are married with five kids in the temple and you're just <laughs> like well how <laughs> Yeah, it it worked for you. Yes, yeah. it did, and it's great, and it's wonderful for you. But it's not working for some other people. <laughs> yeah, and so I, you know, I know. Exactly. If I roll my eyes at church, it's, it's that, that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like we're so grateful that we have this perfect thing that does exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, yeah, yeah. This is this is something my my dad has said quite a bit. Is is he has has this thing where he's 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 given like talks and stuff where he said like the church is has delivered on every promise it's ever made to me, you know? And I like, I don't doubt him. I think he's, he's being honest, you know, but it's like you say that, um, that, that doesn't work for everybody. Like for me, I like, didn't, I didn't quite get the promises delivered the way I wanted them to, you know? Um, especially being an artist, I think there's something particular about being an artist. That's, that's really tough within like LDS culture. You know, like you're trying to fit. I mean, probably not as hard as being gay in LDS culture, but <laughs> it's still challenging. You know, about gay and an artist yeah, and an LDS culture. You're you're smart. You decided to do both to make as, as things as fun as possible for yourself. <laughs> how does I, I'm I'm kind of curious about um, how how does spirituality like interface if it does at all with um, with your art, um, whether that's like how you choose what to say or, or what you value, or I don't know, how is that? Is is there like a connection there between between your your faith and and what you decide to make as an artist? Hmm. I mean, it it definitely has connection to specific things, you know, like the comic. Mm. Um, I don't know how I would connect spirituality to like. Supergirl fan art or something. So, <laughs> I mean, like, it, um, I, I, I don't know. I well, okay, actually, yeah, actually, I would say that would have a effect on it because I'll go back to my silly example of <laughs> Supergirl fan art. Like, yeah, I connect with that character for the specific reason of that. Like, um, she's a character that represents positivity, positivity, and like the most dark circumstances like had a whole world destroyed and then she becomes like a symbol of hope or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I I guess like, so that element of my spiritual spirituality, like kind of comes out in like what I choose to draw and the things that I like and how that comes out in my art, I guess. And I'm in the business of making children's entertainment for most of my work 
and you know I really love that industry and um because it's you know people like to dismiss it as you know light and fluffy but there's some really big depth in a lot of children's entertainment and they don't have to do it by like being game of thrones gritty (laughs) you know like no like um which i think i think that kind of approach kind of masks that um and like but there's still kind of that unfiltered view of it in in kids books and kids cartoons and yeah i i think that sometimes like there's kind of the stuff that that people say makes stuff adult and it's really just not it doesn't necessarily add any any depth to to work and i and i i honestly i, I agree with you i think about some children's literature that i just uh-huh. find so much depth in um are are you very much of a of an avatar the last airbender fan yeah yeah okay i'm a bigger legend of course okay. I'm, I'm familiar with the whole fair enough universe, yeah i mean getting back to our discussion before about like how do we deal with people that have ideas we disagree with and even ideas that we may find dangerous uh, one of one of the points of of Avatar that I love so much is like how hard he works to try to find a way to resolve the issue without without violence. You know, that's really the 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 climax of that story is Aang saying, "I don't want to take someone's life," and everyone else is telling him everywhere he goes yeah. is telling him your only way is to take this guy out. You know, and the fact yeah. it, it, that he has the the courage and to like think creatively enough to be like I want to, I'm going to find a way I'm going to figure out a way that I can do this um, ethically you know uh, and it's it's mm-hmm. children literature I, I feel like a lot of adult adult literature likes to have kind of the more grim conclusions to say like sometimes you have to do horrible things type of conclusions you know um, yeah yeah I'm not a fan <laughs> yeah what you're describing with avatar this it's this exact type of thing that i think of when you know when adults are so easy to dismiss cartoons and be like oh those are just kids cartoons and i'm like oh you have no idea yeah yeah <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about i mean there's so i i could go off forever on avatar it's so well written and and uh there's so many good like just like moral like complex moral uh exploration in that in that show um but I just, I, the other day I was reading like Anne of Green Gables with my daughter too. And just like, mm-hmm. I was getting emotional and it was just like the opening, the opening of, of the book where like, um, uh, Matthew and Marilla, where Marilla makes the decision basically to like bring Anne home, just like the decision to like take care of her and just like getting so emotional mm-hmm. reading that. And it's just, it's such a simple thing, but it's such like this important, like human, uh, characteristic to be able to say like I'm going to decide to be responsible for someone, you know, and uh, to know that like oh this mm-hmm. is like a life lifelong th- decision you're making to like take care of someone and you know be there for them. I'm just like wow, like it was so powerful. Yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you much of an Anna Green Gables fan? I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't, it's, I didn't read the book until maybe a few years ago. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love this book. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. And I think, I think more, it's, it's not a, a book most guys would naturally be attracted to, but like, I like highly recommend that book. I was just like so emotional reading it. Her description at the beginning too of Green Gables of how beautiful Green Gables is, like was so mm-hmm. wonderful. Just like how the way she sees the world, 
Um, you know, but just, it was great. And I was so happy that my like daughter was reading it. We got to talk about it. Nice. <laughs> apparently if you go to it's like Prince Edward Island, apparently if you go there now, it's like kind of a big like tourist trap, which is kind of sad. So, um, I'm, I'm definitely more of a, like, uh, Avatar Last Airbender over Korra. I'm definitely on the side of, of Last Airbender. So give me your pitch on why Korra is, is the better of the two, of the two series. <laughs> I don't know if it's like an actual, uh, uh, like quality assessment and more like, just like my personal, <laughs> my, like what I relate to more, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Like, I like, I love, I love the character Cora from like the first episode. Like I really liked her. And I mean, I liked Aang too, but it, I guess I just <laughs> relate to the woman more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Well, I even think, I even think Aang is not the most interesting character in last airbender. So like, if you put those two against each oh, other, I'd totally be true. like, yeah, she's a more interesting character. You know, I'm more, I'm, I'm more of like a Zuko. I'm like, Zuko is what really makes Airbender for me, you know? I, I also watched the series backwards because <laughs> I got into Korra when it started. So I was like, do I need to watch Airbender before I watch oh, this? Oh, gotcha. And people were like, no, it's okay. So I was like, so I started watching Korra, but then I went back. So maybe it's more like a sentimental thing because it was the first, yeah, my first exposure to the whole world. Well, the production quality on Korra is also like on another level, you know? Like, right. <laughs> that's the one yeah. thing when I recommend Airbender to people, it's like, it's, it's rough, much rougher in quality when it starts out. Like by the last season, it's like, it's, it's much better. But Cora, man, like that, the first, like, yeah, the whole, the whole first season. I mean, it's, it's all just like the animation coming into that. I'm just like amazing for series television, like the stuff you're seeing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's still, yeah. it's, it's a great series too. I'm, I'm not going to put down Cora. <laughs> I haven't finished it though. No, I like them both too. Oh, you haven't finished it? No, I've I've watched like the first two seasons. That's no, as far no. as I've gotten. So. Yeah, the second season was rough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Third and fourth ones were really good. Okay. <laughs> second season is my least favorite. Okay. But like going back into the second season after you've seen the whole series, there was a lot of important information in the second season. Like but some good I think, setup. I think story wise, it was a little not as exciting. So I need to finish it up. I know my, my daughter's like, she's been interested in watching it too. So I, I need to kind of get back and, and watch the rest of it. So what is the, are you, um, are you kind of percolating on the idea for the next, uh, next comic you want to do? Like for the web comic yeah, or like for the web comic. comic for the web comic? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I just finished that one. So yeah. Um, now see like my approach to this comic so far has been like make a comic post it and then be like oh I have time because you know I have in my head like once a month I only have to do it once a month yeah and then like a month it starts coming around and then I'm like oh shoot (laughs) (laughs) I should come up with an idea for that (laughs) but but like like I said before like I don't like forcing the ideas for that Uh comic specifically so um a lot of the comics, they just end up being really spontaneous ideas that happened like just a few days before I, I drew the thing, which is, yeah. which is nice because, because I know that I'm excited about the idea and, um, 
Yeah, I was going to ask they come you out really quickly. I was going to ask you how how like quick it, it happens between when you get an idea and to to like when you post it. Like it's usually like within a week that you're you have an idea, make it, and then then post it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of some of the ideas are just are ideas that already are like half written that maybe I come back to and are like now have formed like a full thought about it. Or sometimes they're just things that just came to me maybe because of a specific thing that happened in my life or in the world or something. Yeah. They'll, they'll be really quick usually. And usually I'll specifically wait for that to happen because if I'm just sitting there like writing it, trying to force it out, and like rewriting it over and over again, then I usually, that's an indication to me that I don't have this thought fully formed yet. Yeah. And I should put that aside. Yeah. So what's, what's the fastest that you ever like kind of had an idea and finished it and got it out? Maybe like three or four days. Okay. I mean, yeah. How, how long will it take you to, writing it down again. how long will it take you to actually okay, do go. finish the, the, the comic? Like uh, one, inst- like four foot, right? Each each installment's like four pages. How long will it take you to do one of those? A couple days. Okay. I mean, once it's written. Yeah. Like I just, I I mean, I I purposely also made that comic pretty non labor intensive. Yeah. Compared to <laughs> my other work, like it's <laughs> it's black and white and pretty simple style. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you you'll write them out first, and then you'll. Uh, then you go into yeah, the art. I do, yeah. Yeah. There's still, those things are still labor intensive though. I mean, I've, I, I've, I've always have this idea to, to do, I have these essays I want to do in comic form and it's just like, man, sometimes I'm just like writing. I should just learn to be a better writer because trying to explain ideas in comics takes so much work. <laughs> but, yeah. And it's definitely a back and forth. Even, even though I write it down beforehand, like, once I start drawing, I'll be like, I wrote way too many words. Yeah. (laughs) Or I'll be like, this isn't looking as clear as I thought it would look. And, you know, so there's still a lot of shuffling that goes around, but it does go pretty fast for me. How often will you kind of like get halfway through something and just like have to shelve it? Just be like, I haven't figured this out yet, or this isn't quite fully formed. I just got to put this aside for a little bit. That's happened on a couple of the comics that I had for that. Um, like even writing it all down and then sitting down to draw it. And then I would sit down to draw it and it just wouldn't work. So I have, I think maybe two or three comics on my computer that are like half drawn and they just never got finished. Cause, and you know, there's lots of, you know, written notes, but yeah, as far as like getting to the drawing stage and then just feel like this isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I got a few of those. Yeah, I've had quite a few things end up like that too. I actually have the thing is I've I've only done a handful of of similar comics, but I have like a bunch of half done half. But I I need to do what you're doing and just constrain myself and just say like okay, four pages, four pages to do this thing. Because I always want to turn everything into Lord of the Rings, you know, where it's like <laughs> suddenly I'm like I need to do a whole series. I need to do like a five part series to to like explain everything I want to I want to say, you know. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing them. I think they're like, they're very charming. I think they're like very expressive of like who you are and your values. And I, I love, I love seeing them. I need to just go to the, are you on like uh, Tapas or anything? Or do you just have your own webpage where you, where you host everything? Uh, 
my strategy for that is just I do have the main web page and then I just release it to all my social media and that's all I've been doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. So um I think it's really cool to have a project too where you just do it for the love of doing it, you know? <laughs> and so yeah. I don't know, maybe it's meant to be some big like business you have a big business plan behind it, but um it certainly doesn't feel that way. It definitely comes across as something that's just, that's done, done for the love of it. So mostly if you ask me if I have a big business plan behind it, it's usually no. I don't. <laughs> how much of the, how, how often is that a thing with your work? How often are you thinking about how to monetize things? Um, I mean, clearly you do freelance, you like are fr- freelancing a lot of stuff. So you're making money for that. But outside of the freelance stuff you do, how often are you thinking about like monetizing your, your work? You know, I worried about it a lot more when I was starting out. And then maybe it's just because I'm more secure with my freelance work, but it's not a thing I think about as much anymore. Mm. Like, um, so the, the, everything is going to be okay comic that, that was the first kind of personal project I did in a while. And I just had no plan for it in terms of, uh, business wise. And, but in the past I've had like, Oh, I've got to, I got to post this often and put ads on my website and print a book and go to cons, but then it's not so much a priority for me anymore Yeah, because for one, I was not successful (laughs) with it (laughs) that much. I do feel like if you're going to do, you know, art as a job, you have to think about it somehow you have to figure out how you're going to survive doing it. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess my strategy is <laughs> the freelance and then just do whatever the heck I want. <laughs> yeah, man. I think that's like so healthy. I got, I I've gotten so caught up in, in trying to do that, to trying to be like, I want to, I want the intersection between my passion and like making money. I want to do exactly what I want to do. And I want to make a lot of money doing it <laughs> and just like fighting <laughs> fighting like that, 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 um, hustle of trying to like make that work, how exhausting it is and how it just like killed the fun. It killed, it stops being a a, a passion Mm -hmm. because there's this whole other job that you have to do to make it work. That sucks. I think my strategy right now is like to, I don't really consciously think of a plan, but I also don't let really obvious things go by. Like like I, like I still have a society sick shop with prints, but it doesn't require that much work for me. It's just uploading art. Yeah, and it's it's just like something like if I if I ignored it, like it just seems really silly because it's not a lot of work on my end. So I just keep that up because I'm always making art. So I just add art to it, or if. I do make a comic and it does make a good book. It would be kind of obvious to me to make the book, like, but I'm not necessarily making the big plans to begin yeah. with or make like pressuring myself. It's more like I'm making the stuff I want to make and then, and then figuring out what to do with it. And, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like miss the obvious opportunities like making a book, but I'm also kind of not putting that pressure on myself because I don't for someone like me who has the the freelance work 
it's not as a priority for me versus someone, I, I think other artists are more into going to, into comic cons and tabling and doing all that. Ugh. It's just, it's not. I got so burnt out on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so, so done with that after, after like promoting my last comic and, you know, conventions have just really changed like 10 years ago. I think it would have been, a. I, I just did better. I go back 10 years ago and I just, I did better at conventions, you know, like I could, there were some conventions I could plan on going where at least I could like cover my costs. Right. And I don't know what has changed in the culture. If it's, there's more conventions or there's just so many people are out there just creating all this fan art at conventions, but man, it's like, I, I just lost money going to conventions and, you know, just a lot of sitting around it's, and it's not the right crowd either. I'm just not seeing people that are interested in, and there's a few exceptions, like a cup, there's a couple conventions where it's like really high quality, well curated, but man, most of them are, are garbage, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think a lot of, you know, growing older and being more experienced in this, in this business is that I've, I've, it's become easier for me to dismiss the things that are not effective or do not interest me and like mm. will not take doing selling a bunch of fan art at a convention is not going to take my career in the direction I want it to go. So it, that's yeah. easy for me to just like, no, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. I like, I like kind of what you said before that it's, you kind of need to take the attitude of like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to figure out some other way to pay the bills and then, but I've always got the option. I'm going to do the stuff I want to do. And if I, if I want to do something with that in the future, if I have, can make a book with it, if I can sell it in some other way, that's open to me, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to bet my life on it. I'm not going to bet my happiness on this one specific thing doing well. Cause you just, there's no guarantee. I can't, I can't decide what's going to do well, you know? Right. But then again, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll get a job doing something else besides art and just <laughs> get a regular paycheck. <laughs> Sometimes I just think that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, yeah, why, yeah. Why did I choose this? <laughs> yeah, really. I remember, I remember like when I was younger, like hearing people that have been in the industry a long time and hearing all the cynical stuff, hearing them say all the stuff we're saying right now, you know, but I just, I still want people to be, I still want people to be artists. I just want them to understand what they're getting into, you know, just. Right. Um, right. I mean, you, I've survived this, this far and I'm yeah. still enjoying it when I'm not yeah. stressed. <laughs> No, it's, it's still, it's still can be a pretty awesome career when you just stop and look at like what you're doing day to day. Um, well, anywho, uh, I should probably, uh, wrap it up at this point. Um, but Danny, I've been really happy to, to be able to chat with you a little bit here. I I hope we can do it again. And I, I hope, uh, everyone will check out. Everything's going to be okay. Actually, I'm going to like go there. I just need to go there and read everything. So I can just be up to date on everything you said. And it's going to motivate me. I've really wanted to do this type of work. So um, yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks again for, for being on the podcast. Thanks for asking. You've been listening to How to Be an Artist. To support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash H2BNA.